the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Your hour before the Hallmans arrive in the 5 o'clock hour, which that is also your hour. But just let you know, we'll have guests taking your calls. Uh, 602-508-0960. There's been all these stories about Arizona leading the nation in cases and deaths. And uh, and uh, it was um, – there's just another view of this. There's another view of this. And – they're going to talk to us about that. I'm going to say a few words about it, too. Is it Jeff who called yesterday? I think it was Jeff. Forgive me if I don't get the if – if, if it wasn't Jeff, if it was someone else. But I think it was Jeff who called yesterday talking about what he plans on doing to make his voice and dollars count in the council culture in which we live. The cancel culture that doesn't seem to respect or want the business of people who don't think like him. Well, let me add and buttress Jeff's point with something John Hinderocker wrote at Powerline, which is actually a hat tip to Buck Throckmorton. What a great name, Throckmorton. Sounds like a... um, Sounds like a bad guy in an old Alfred Hitchcock movie. What was the what was what was what was George C. Scott's name in Rear Window? Thorgald, I think. Thorgald, something like that. Throckmorton could have been. Anyway, if Monster Tech can aggressively deplatform businesses and individuals for expressing forbidden opinions, then maybe it's time for skilled tradesmen. To respond in kind against the woke left. Leftists despise working class deplorables and seek to punish them for all their disapproved habits. You know, God, guns, motorized vehicles, voting MAGA. Well, the tradesmen I know are swamped with business right now, so it might be a good time for them to establish their own terms of service, enabling them to deny service to advocates of cancel culture. Broken down on the side of a road with a Bernie or Biden bumper sticker? Sorry, you're going to have to find a record that employs all 57 genders and declares all their pronouns. But Earl's 24-hour record won't be towing your car today. Terms of service, you know. Broken down furnace during a deep freeze? Too bad you advocated for a fracking ban on Facebook. That's a violation of Smith HVAC's terms of service. Looks like you'll need to find yourself an HVAC company that can fix you up with 100% renewable energy if you want your heat back on. Can such service be denied? The left is already doing it. My county is relaying updates about COVID vaccinations via Facebook. My town posts winter road updates on Facebook. I can't express my political views on Facebook or else Mark Zuckerberg might deny me access to life or death info regarding roads and vaccines. Thork Martin writes, as the defenders 
of Monster Tech like to remind us, if I don't want Facebook banishing me for having the wrong opinions, then I can just go start my own social media monopoly. Well, then it's not asking too much for the left to go start their own skilled trade services. John writes, I've noticed that when skilled tradesmen come to our house, they're pretty much almost always conservative. They don't say anything unless they can see they are among friends, like, for example, on account of our lawn signs during campaign season. And all are appropriately professional. But it is no secret that if a liberal HR person, marketing executive, diversity consultant, or journalist has an emergency in his or her home, that person is at the mercy of someone who lives in the real world and actually knows what he or she is doing and who in all probability is a conservative. So like Throckmorton's idea... I like Throckmorton's idea. Decades ago, Ayn Rand envisioned the consequences if Atlas shrugged. Isn't that what we're talking about here? What if the people who actually know how to make the world run were to go on strike against those who want not just to ridicule them but to destroy them and us? All right, call it a pipe dream. No doubt it would be hard to organize a deplatforming of liberals or a partial strike on the part of those who make our society our society function but who knows maybe in some fashion it'll happen one of these days which got me to thinking for a moment about the book atlas shrugged i'm not the biggest of ann rand fans i get the i get the point and i and i take the interest but it doesn't boil down to a, a cohesive philosophy nonetheless atlas shrugged is a monumentally important book and i think sometimes we don't ask ourselves what those titles actually mean. I give speeches, um, for example, uh, on several topics, different topics, one of them having to do on substance abuse prevention or a couple different ones, and I often invoke the title of the book Catcher in the Rye. No one knows what, or no one seems to remember what that title was about, but it's his dream of being at the edge of a field, Holden Caulfield's dream being at the edge of a field where children are playing a field of rye, and when they fall off the field, he catches them and puts them back in play, puts them back on the field. That seems to me to be our duty when it comes to youth, to all be catchers in the rye. Atlas Shrugged. What's that title mean? Do people know? They know the book. They know the title. They know I named my dog after the main character, Dagny, Dagny Taggart. So I went to Quora. And it's true what John says. The novel shows that skilled tradesmen shrugged. What happens if all of the airline pilots decided to quit flying planes? The airlines would probably find others to do it, but would you like to fly on that airplane? What if all plumbers went on strike? What if all doctors went out? The idea is that if we can't be rewarded for our work and keep those rewards, especially our creative work, then why do it? Makes us slaves to the rest of the company, doesn't it? Atlas was a figure in Greek mythology who was punished by Zeus to carry the entire world on his shoulders. And Anne Rand's uh, industrialists and geniuses <coughs> of the uh, world essentially carry the entire planet by their brilliance and efforts and are despised for it. That's the thing. They're despised for it. And if they were to simply shrug off the weight in a way that the original Atlas could not, but if they could shrug off that weight, the world would fall to pieces. 
That's the meaning of Atlas Shrugged. Now, here's what's interesting about that, given some current debates going on right now. I mentioned one or two earlier about this. Teachers. Teachers. They have told us they carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. And um, they shrugged. They did more than shrug. They stopped teaching. Did things fall out of control? Yes, they are falling out of control. Interestingly, perhaps in ways that we are only just beginning to grapple with. I mentioned the New York Times is now seen fit. It's now news that's fit to print for the New York Times to quote federal officials who think schools should reopen. It was fit to mock them when it was the previous administration. Today they see fit to quote them. On Tuesday, federal health officials weighed in with a call for returning children to the nation's classrooms as soon as possible. Boy, when Eileen McCants-Gantz did it for the Trump administration, or for that matter, Scott Atlas or Donald Trump himself, they mocked him and ridiculed them. New York Times on the uh, two days ago, Sunday's New York Times, quote, When we started to see the uptick in children taking their lives, we knew it wasn't just the COVID numbers we needed to look at anymore, said Jesus Hara, the Clark County superintendent. That's uh, Las Vegas. We have to find a way to put our hands on kids to see them, to look at them. They've got to start seeing some movement, some hope. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention showed that the percentage of youth emergency room visits that were for mental health reasons have risen during the pandemic. In Clark County, 18 suicides over nine months of closure is what they've experienced. That's double, double last year's. Doubling of suicides because teachers shrugged. If you could see the look on my producer Bill's face right now, 602-508-0960. Give him a call and cheer him up. Rob always cheers me up. Rob, what were you going to say, Bill? What? It was very Jim Halpert-like. Yeah, you gave me a Jim Halpert look. Hi, Rob. Well, you guys, hi, hi, Seth. And hi, Bill. um, You'll have to explain the look that Bill gave you and whatever the Jim Halpert look is. You ever watch The Office? Do you ever see the show The Office? Oh, I, is uh, that guy the guy with the glasses? Well, no, that's Dwight. The guy, the, the, the most normal of them, Jim. Oh. John Krasninski or something is his name, I think, in real life, something like that. You know. I, I have to confess, I... He sometimes will really... do this, um, it's the breaking of the fourth wall, they call it, basically, uh, where he looks at the camera with this deadpan look that's supposed to communicate nonplussed disgust. <laughs> nonplussed disgust. Yeah, for, for lack of a better phrase. Actually, that's a great phrase. Yeah. I, I, could, I could use that uh, because... Um, I, I had called uh, about uh, 
HR one. This um, yeah, bill. I, I'm I'm non plus disgust with that too. Exactly, and you know, and I again, the the lack of media coverage is frightening uh, for many reasons. It's, it was introduced on the fourth of January. In fact, I think the bill was. Oh, it's been around a little while longer than yeah. that. Yeah, it's been oh, around yeah. since but last I mean, November. Yeah, and actually, uh, I think there had been. Uh, similar bills of HR1 in 2019 and 2018. Yes, that's correct. But the the scary part, of course, now that the Democrats, well, in Congress still have a majority and the Senate's a tie, is that they want to use this bill and sort of, and and it's called For the People Act of 2021. They intend to save democracy, this is the Democrats, by putting themselves in charge of elections by state. Yeah. And that's really frightening. They want to force states to do things, you know, from from uh, you know mandatory registration, removing removing participation as a voluntary choice, increasing chances for errors. Uh, obviously, they want all felons to vote. Uh, they want to extend periods of early voting. Uh, they want to mandate again a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, same-day voter registration. The bill would require states to offer early voting. They would also have Mm -hmm. to allow Election Day and online voter registration, diluting the accuracy of voting rules, make states register voters automatically from government databases, including federal welfare recipients, colleges and universities designated as voter registration hubs. 16-year-olds could register to vote two years in advance, no-fault absentee ballots, allowing anyone to vote by mail for any reason. I'm reading from an op-ed on this. I read um, last uh, December, uh, about a month ago, from Kim Strassel at the Wall Street Journal. She's got her fingers all over it. Yeah, send people that if they need to learn more. It's called Harvesting the 2020 Election. Yeah, and and I think the, the, the key point is that the bill basically federalizes uh, control over elections by states, you know, in a, in a scary manner. Um, they expand federal government power over speech. Uh, and, and there's just a bunch of stuff that, that's really, really frightening. And, again, it's being under the radar and nobody's really, I don't think, paying attention to it, which is frightening in and of itself. And I, I think back to the term under the Obama administration. Somebody had used the term gangster government. Hmm. And I think, I think we're seeing a return to that uh, at the federal level because you know it's going to happen uh, because, you know, every state gets federal funding. Um, and I think this happened in Obamacare. Correct me if I'm wrong. The uh, federal government was threatening to withhold federal funds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 This is what I wanted Donald Trump to do. And he threatened yeah. to do and didn't do with the CARES Act funding back in April. CARES Act. Excuse exactly. me. The uh, not in April, uh, back in May, May and June. Yeah. He threatened states that had unsolicited mail in fund uh, voting. He threatened to hold back CARES Act funding. The governors yep. and the left went crazy and he didn't follow yeah. through. If he would have. The election might have turned out differently. Well, that's true. The frightening part is, with all the federal funding going to all 50 states, is how much control the federal government has yes. over funds uh, for states. Yes, and I know that in Arizona, um, you know, we had a lot of money coming in for uh, the COVID yes, thing. Yes, of course. Many, much of which wasn't even spent for COVID. Yep. 
but was spent to you know balance the budget right. and pay for the Department of Corrections and a bunch of other things totally unrelated. And imagine, and, and that's you know that's I guess choices made in the legislature and the governor. But but imagine when the federal government wants to mandate yep. how each state is going to vote yep. and threaten again gangster government yep. to withhold money uh, to prevent uh, states from doing things the way the federal government wants them. Yep. And of course, right now, it's basically run by Democrats yep. and the federal government. Yep. And so that's what's frightening to me. Um, but again, all of this stuff from all the what thirty odd executive. Orders, so what we need these states to do, Rob, just so we understand what the project is moving forward here, what these state legislatures need to do. We had a caller yesterday who, who uh, corrected me and said sixty two percent of our state legislatures are in the hands of Republicans. Good. What we need them to do is act fast right now on election reform. Yes. Voter ID, stopping uh, unsolicited mail-in voting, that kind of stuff. Those are the first two that come to mind. Act right now. Then if, per chance, the House and Senate pass H.R. 1, if they do, then you can have a conflict of laws and you can go straight to the Supreme Court and see that the federal government is overreaching and what the states did because it's given them the power in 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 um, in the constitution to maintain their own elections then then we'll have it but if the states don't act and the feds act first you probably have a preemption case that keeps the federal government involved and the states out for the duration I, so I, the states I, have I, got to get it together fast I absolutely I couldn't agree more and that's frightening that even frightens me Probably more than well. Of course, the, uh, no. This is the whole ball game, order. and they know it too. We know what that. You and I know what they know. Why else yeah. would they call it HR one? You know what HR one is. Almost every year, it's the biggest priority of those in the majority. They title their bill yeah. their, their their greatest their greatest desiderata. They call HR one House Resolution one. Yeah, and no. What what uh, what could be more important than the Democrats trying to consolidate? Yes. Eternal. Uh, Eternal, know, uh, yes, power. of course, of course. You know, and that's that's really scary. It's very scary I mean, once you have amnitized another eleven million Americans on your side as well. Exactly. Thank you, Seth. Have a great day. We were really on the same page together here today, Rob. Are we never on the same page? <laughs> are, are we never on the same page? We are always on the same page. Okay, that's better. Okay. <laughs> Except right now. Except in talking yeah. about if we're on the same page. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. God bless you. Thanks. You bet. Six zero two five zero eight zero never zero never six zero zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. We always play Huey Lewis on the days when Hugh and Lewis Hallman are coming in. Huey Lewis in the news. Jeff is in Phoenix. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Seth. How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, you know, I was listening to Ron Paul today, and um, Rand. I'm still fascinated. Rand Paul, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, um, they're, they're, they are different. I didn't mean to be pedantic about right. it. Oh, I, no, no, I, saw, I slipped it's, earlier, too, and they are so different. Right. It's, it's father and son, but I know they're different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I'm fascinated as I listen to him, and I hear his... Um, I don't know what the exact word would be, exasperation or uh, passion. Still, still, well, no, not so much passion, but he still can't believe. He has a hard time believing 
that the people on the other side aren't aren't really what they say they are or aren't they really aren't just there to uh, try to do their political duty and after we go out for a steak and we're all friends these people are not their friends i don't think rand is that kind of guy though do you do you think he is i don't think he is well i don't think he understands i don't see where he it sounds like he still believes that these people are still you know it's just it's just politics we really don't we're not out to ruin you. We're not out to – these people are out to ruin conservatives. They're out to ruin your life. They're out to take everything that you have worked for, have gained, everything you believe in, your values. They want to rip that from you. I'll tell you why I don't think Rand is in that club. You know, because he's so negative in voting on the kinds of monies these lobbyists are always going to him. I know the kind of senator you're talking about. You see them at Morton's. You see them at the K Street restaurants. I don't think Rand is that guy. What I do think he did today was I think he was speaking um, uh, from a I, – I used the word passion. And the reason I used that is I think he was trying to appeal to the sense – of um, to the sense of uh, singular standards. I think he was trying right. to appeal to the sense of shame that the Democrats should have. I think that's the word he used at the end of his speech. They should be ashamed of themselves. Right. I think he misinterpreted what I was saying. I don't Maybe think I did. Yeah, I said, do it again. I, I apologize. the type of senator who's going out and spending money previously on steak dinners and things like that. I'm just saying that after they leave that chamber... It seems to me that Republicans still think, oh, these guys are our friends. I see what you're saying. These, these people on the other side of the aisle are, you know, they're just trying to do their best for their constituents, but they're really our friends. I don't I don't know how anyone could believe that anymore. I'm with you on that, Jeff. I don't know how you can say I'm doing what's best for my constituents. If you're a Republican, I don't know how you can say I'm doing what's best for my constituents by adopting liberalism or leftism. Exactly. But it's not a, it's not the constituents anymore. It's who they think are the constituents, who they the media has led them to believe. Twitter, Facebook, all these people out there that are so-called doing these things, but they probably don't even buy your product. The majority of people that hate the NFL and are all these Black Lives Matter people and all this other stuff about the NFL, they don't even go and watch the games. But that's who they cater to, and that's our problem. See, I think I think there's a level of politician. Tell me if I'm on your page now. There's a level of politician. Mitt Romney is the ideal example who thinks that the constituency is not Provo or Salt Lake, but the editorial page of the Washington Post. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could see that. Did you see the video where the lady confronted him in the airport? I've seen that. I've seen what he said about impeachment. I've if he I mean, you can he just said he it. said if President Trump's conduct isn't impeachable, then nothing is. I, 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 I'd, I we could tear that apart in five seconds or twenty minutes. I would love to have Mitt on to talk about this position of his. That that's what I'm saying. That they put out these blatant things out there in the universe. And, but they're not able to be challenged. I mean, that woman was lucky to walk up and find him in the airport. Yeah. These people are hidden from the public. Mm-hmm. They will not expose themselves to the public because they know they can't answer the question. That's why they have the little media people in their little things. And they, oh, well, answer me the, answer, throw me that softball. Oh, yeah, okay, I answer that. And then I walk off. I mean, I can't believe how the hypocrisy and the unbelievable hatred for Donald Trump as a person, and then the fact that these people look at Joe Biden and he tells you nothing, 
and takes no questions, questions. Takes no questions. Takes no questions, and they just it's it's perfectly fine. There's a version of this that uh, the previous caller likes to tell the story of um, when George Schultz was Secretary of State, and he would have ambassadors come into his office and ask him to point on the globe where their country was, and. You know, the ambassador from Brazil would point to Brazil. The ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Costa Rica would point to Costa Rica. And Schultz would always say, no, that's not your country. And George Schultz would point to the United States of America. That's your country. The version of There's a version of that going on here, Jeff, where the Mitt Romneys think the constituency is the Washington Post and not the American people. It's a level of arrogance where they really stand for so little. I don't know what Mitt Romney stands for other than themselves. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Such a great song. Brent Bozell is reporting that in Ames, Iowa, the school district there has announced not that it'll be closing, but that it will be participating in the Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action during the first week of February. Each day of the BLM at School Week of Action, two to three of the Black Lives Matter at school's 13 guiding principles will be discussed with students through age-appropriate lessons and activities. Remember that phrase, Bill, age-appropriate, okay? The 13 principles are found, I'll give them to you shortly, early childhood and elementary descriptions are available on the school district website. So I'm looking at a coloring book aimed at who does, what age groups would do coloring books? Kindergarten? Certainly not second grade. You're not doing coloring books. Maybe, would you do it in first grade? Certainly kindergarten. My point is young awfully young to be doing this. You know what the first one is? Remember, this is age-appropriate lessons and activities. Tell me what it has to do with Black Lives Matter, by the way. Transgender affirming. The caption is, everybody has the right to choose their own gender by listening to their own heart and mind. Everyone gets to choose if they are a girl or a boy or both or neither or something else. And no one gets to choose for them. This is what Black Lives Matter represents. This is what is age appropriate for kindergartners. How about how about two? The second principle, queer affirming. Everybody has the right to choose who they love and the kind of family they want by listening to their own heart and mind. Age appropriate. I'll give you all 13 principles of Black Lives Matter at school. You ready? You want them? Restorative justice, empathy, loving engagement, diversity, globalism, queer-affirming, trans-affirming, collective value, intergenerational. Black families, I don't know what that means. We are, uh, it tells you, we are committed to making our spaces family-friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. 
We are committed to dismantling the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts, that require them to mother in private even as they participate in justice work. Does anyone in earshot know anywhere in Arizona or anywhere under the blue skies of the United States of America where mothers are required to work double shifts? Because that's what it says. We are committed to dismantling the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts. It's just a lie. There is no law anywhere that requires that. Most of us don't even want it. Principle 11, black villages. Sounds interesting. You've heard this language before. You ready for it? We are committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, and especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Why are you committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure? Why are you committed to that? Why is that a matter for Black Lives Matter? Larry Elder will tell you, as Candace Owens will tell you, as Thomas Sowell will tell you, as Elizabeth Sawhill will tell you, as almost every social scientist who's not bought off by the Ibrahim Kendis of the world will tell you, that if there was one thing, Daniel Moynihan will tell you, if there's one thing, the Brookings Institute will tell you, If there's one magic wand you could wave to do more for minority families in this country than anything else, it would be the nuclear family structure. That is to say, a two-parent home. The disruption of it has led to increases in every socially disruptive index you can imagine. It's a guarantee for higher crime rates. It's a guarantee for higher substance abuse, drug and alcohol use rates. It's a guarantee for higher dropout rates. It's a guarantee for lower school score, education score rates. It's a higher guarantee for generational welfare. Why you would commit to disrupting the thing that matters most that Almost everyone, universally, past year, universally, including Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Bill Clinton in the Welfare and Reform Act built Barack Obama and his famous father to stay speech. We have labored mightily, mightily to strengthen family structure in minority communities. I mean, all communities need it. Not just minority, but if there is one thing that has harmed minority communities more than anything else, it's the absence of fathers. But here we are committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family. Don't tell me this doesn't come from the Marxist doctrines that founded this organization. Because this is exactly what Marx and Engels wrote about in the Communist Manifesto. Frederick Engels wrote an entire book 
on the notion of disrupting the nuclear family so as to pave the way for the peasant revolution. More peasants, more likelihood of a revolution. More disruption of the family, more peasants. This is educational malfeasance. And there's nothing, nothing age-appropriate about destroying childhood. Destroying childhood, where adults act like infants and we treat infants like adults. Teaching kindergartners about the importance of transgender-affirming and queer-affirming policies. Plant these thoughts in their heads. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. There's no perfect segue for this. I guess perhaps from my monologue, though, I was doing some research on Ronald Reagan's speeches, and I came across this with the headline, The One Speech You Have to Hear, and I loved it, from 1976. No great place... uh, as I say, to segue into it, except how could I deny it to you? Uh, when I see something good, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Bill, give, give him Reagan in 76. This plays right off my point of what he said in his inauguration in 1981. Go for it, Bill. We created government as our servant, beholden to us, and possessing no powers except those voluntarily granted to it by us. Now a self-anointed elite in our nation's capital would have us believe we're incapable of guiding our own destiny. They practice government by mystery, telling us it's too complex for our understanding. Believing this, they assume we might panic if we were to be told the truth about our problems. Why should we become frightened? No people who have ever lived on this earth have fought harder, paid a higher price for freedom, or done more to advance the dignity of man than the living Americans, the Americans living in this land today. There isn't any problem we can't solve if government will give us the facts, tell us what needs to be done, and then get out of the way and let us have at it. How is that any different from what he said in his inauguration in 1981, uh, five years later, when he said, From time to time we have been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by self-rule. That government by an elite group is superior to government for, by, and of the people. But if no, this is such an important point. This is foundational, this next sentence. If no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? If no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? Understand the progressive tendency here. To, to vitiate self-government by arrogating more and more power to the government itself, to the bureaucrats themselves. It is to take away our capacity to govern ourselves, thus to govern each other. Irving Kristol, years ago, who Reagan was a fan of, said, you can't have self-government if you don't have selves worthy of governing we're going to talk about that a little bit with the Hallmans in the next hour as we talk about and segue into what's being reported about Arizona and COVID and the great schools debate. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.